0: Welcome to the Finding the Magic podcast, where books come alive. I'm Tricia Copeland, a fiction author and host of this show. If you love books, finding great reads, and hearing about the story behind the story directly from the authors, this is the place for you. Whether you like fantasy, science fiction, dystopian, or romance titles, I think you'll find something to love in my playlist. Listen in to discover something magical about a book or two today. Hi, I am here with Stacey Rourke and Tish Sauer. They have a new release to talk about today. Hi, Stacy and Tish. Hi, thanks for hello. having
1: us. Hello, hello. Thank you.
0: Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you about your new book. Well we're excited to talk about it. (laughs) Should we just jump in? The name of the new book and this is the third in the series, correct? Is it the finale? It is. Fun. So the name of the book is PS901 Evolution Futures End and I I really like that teaser because I'm worried about future ending. (laughs) Who, Who wants to start with what your genre is, who your audience is, maybe the main plot for the series and the book, you guys can duke it out of or who starts.
1: Tess, do you want to take that, darling? Well, goodness, I certainly can. Um, I actually, <laughs> I was telling Stacy today, I was like, man, I think I need to do some prep work. It's been a while since book one came out. I need to um, look back at our messages. And it was so mm-hmm. funny. Um, it. Actually, Stacy is the one who came up with. Even though I'm answering the question, Stacy's the one <laughs> who came up with the idea. Um, when we started talking about co-writing, she's like, "Hey, I've got this really, really cool idea. I think I want to run by you." And uh, you know, she listed it all out in this like super long summary. That she's like, "I'm sorry, this is so long. I'm kind of just dumping my brain right here." And it worked. I was like, "I love it. I fell in love with the concept." We like hashed out everything and. As far as the uh, series itself goes, it is considered sci-fi dystopian, probably in the uh, new adult categories, just um, from the age of the characters. We do have um, romance and relationships in it, of course, but it's fade to black, so nothing explicit or anything, but it still does uh, fall into that new adult adult category.
0: Fun. Yeah, I can't, um, I haven't done any co-writing yet. So how did that work for you guys? (laughs) Did you both write or did you write different chapters or?
2: Um, It was actually such a fun writing exercise the way that we did it because uh, I would write a chapter and then wherever that left off, Tish would take the next next chapter from there and pick up and run with it and we had a basic idea of the plot and where we were going with it but I mean we hit each other with curveballs all the time that we never saw coming you know I I know with this last one that I messaged her and I was like I think so-and-so character needs to die in this chapter how do you feel about that she was just like okay whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen So as authors, it was really uh, an exercise in stretching your creative muscles because you had no real control over where things were going. And that's, you know, in a dystopian world where everything's a battle, it it kind of threw us more in the plot of what was happening.
0: Yeah, it seems like it could help you be creative because I know sometimes I'm like, oh, I need a twist here, but my mind doesn't know where to twist to, right?
1: Exactly. We we were definitely not short on twists.
0: <laughs> and those are super fun as a reader. Do we're you guys so. want to take it book by book and give us a little bit about the plot
2: line of each? Sure. Um, Tish, do you want to start? Do you want me to start?
1: Um. No, I can go ahead and start. Sorry, I, I I've got my books here and I've got them pulled up, and literally, I, I'm going to be reading <laughs> the back to give you. I'll read the blurb because, like I said, it's been a while. Um, TS Nine Hundred One Anomaly is book one, and that came out in 2017. And just to give you, um, I guess a little more insight into the uh, series title, TS Titian Stacy. 901. We decided and agreed to write this together on September 1st of I think it was 2016, and the first book came out almost a year later in July 2017. So there you go, little little tidbit there. Um,
2: first, I love that so much.
1: I know, I know, it worked out so well. Um, <sighs> let's see, tainted water for the good of the people, fluoride and vitamins to sustain the health of the human race. Added ingredients to extend and elevate the quality of life. All good things, right? Wrong. Thea Kelly has been changed by the TS-901 chemical in the world's water supply. Now forced into hiding with the other inflicted outcasts, she struggles to survive as her powers emerge. Evan Daniels hunted for others like himself, and finding Thea suddenly brought meaning back into his life. Love blossomed between the strange couple while they searched for a way to reverse the effects. Unfortunately, the government the government had something else in mind. Super soldier creation on a mass scale was their end goal. And thanks to an unfortunate family tie, Evan became patient number one. Good guy? Bad guy? The world isn't sure. But Thea is left with only one choice. Save the ass of the world's first anomaly who just happens to be her boyfriend. So yeah, book one.
0: <laughs> Very
2: cool. <laughs> Our
0: Your main little- characters are... Thea and
2: tell me the guys. Evan. Here. Evan. Evan is her boyfriend and little side note about this. The idea that I pitched to Tish for this in the first place was actually based on a dream that I had that was a scene between Thea and Evan and seeing the two of them together and their relationship. And that was where the entire idea that I, that, that I pitched to her came from is a dream that I had.
0: Wow, that is super cool. So, in was it a dystopian like dream that you you kind of
2: think so? I Tish went back in the conversation, so she probably knows more about what exactly what the dream was. But I do know that it was based on a dream that I had, and I was like, this would be a really cool idea.
0: That is super fun. It's amazing that like so many books and so many plot lines can come from just like seeing one scene in a dream.
2: Yeah. And that, I don't know, Tish, if you have that very often, but that's where a lot of ideas for me come from. Um, Over Christmas break, I made myself take a few weeks off of writing, and basically the entire plot of my next series came to me in my dreams, because my brain apparently was like, I don't want to take a break if you do, so...
1: (laughs) Oh, how funny. Well, (laughs) oddly enough, it is exactly what happened to me when I wrote my first um, series, the Rose Trilogy. I woke up from a dream with the title in my head and I knew exactly what the book was going to be about. And literally within like two or three minutes, I had like book um, two and three already like titled and plotted. Like it just happened that fast. Just woke up and knew what I wanted to do. So I can completely relate. That's so cool. (laughs) when your brain's working while you sleep.
2: It's wonderful.
1: I love that.
2: (laughs) That is so neat. Yes, I
0: talked to several authors last week um, in taping these podcasts that had very similar experiences with dreams. So it seems to be a running thread.
2: You know, a really funny thing. I went through a phase. I'm not sure if it it must've been two years ago where I was pumping out like a, a novella a month and my brain, at one point, I went to sleep and I had dreams of painting a wall beige. And all I could think was that my creative mind was so exhausted. That it was like, this is all we got right here. I can give you a beige wall. This is all we <laughs> can come up with.
0: <laughs> that is too funny. I love it. So at the end, so book one, Anomaly, Thea has to try to save Evan. I know we don't want to give away what happens in book one. Do you want to give us a little synopsis of book two?
2: Sure,
1: Tish, you got that one? Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, I, I will say, yeah, without giving spoilers, they do um, save or reunite with um, Evan. Not to say that things go too well. Um, trying... <laughs> Try, try not to give away too much, but yeah, it's not a, you know, him and Thea didn't exactly part on the best of terms, and so, you know, during her rescue and their reunion after, you know, they, they had some stuff to work out, let's just put it that way, in, in the so. middle, yeah, in the middle of a full-on war, and, you know, that that's never going to be easy, so... <laughs> Okay. I, hold on yeah one second let me grab the i got okay. the book here and i'll actually read the back um for you again so ts 901 dominion book two risen from their literal hole in the ground thea lance and her Mali brethren have escaped the hive and now face a full-on war welcoming the distraction from her abysmal love life thea throws herself into training the troops and claiming nari bases Grateful to be of service again, Evan focuses maneuvering their forces while fighting to break the icy bonds of betrayal still clutching Thea's heart. After a startling vision by his mother, Lance learns that Gigi is alive and trapped within the hill. Now he will stop at nothing to save his favorite icy blonde. Stuck deep in enemy territory, Giselle Dubot isn't waiting for anyone to rescue her. Following her growing abilities, she's become a force far beyond what her friends knew her to be. Yet, when a threat greater than anything the team has faced arises, Gigi is left to wonder exactly who has command control.
0: So we have some new characters coming in here, it sounds like. In, uh, well,
1: they are in book one too, but it, you know, there's a little bit more focus, a shift of um, POV in, in the second one, as far as like who kind of takes the main lead. So yeah, Gigi, Gigi's one of my faves. Gigi is- Mine too, snarky, I love Gigi. Yeah, Gigi snarky and this- badass sorry scientist who is like super smart and her abilities develop and yeah Gigi's one of my faves
2: yeah she is she's she's brilliant and just has this wit that has made her a favorite character of mine I love her oh and um when we were reading when you were reading the blurb there was Naries and mallies were mentioned and i do want to let people know what those are because that's i think it's so cool um all the people that have mutations because of the ts901 serum uh, are anomalies and they call themselves mallies and then ordinary people they call Naries. so they have their own terminology to, re- to refer to the public and i just thought that was a fun little twist that we put on that
0: that is fun yes i i would reaching for where those came from so i'm glad you explained that one and what is the point of view how what a point of view are these written from
1: they are third person as i open the book and double check (laughs) what did we do well because i think at, at one point that was a discussion i'm sure you know i didn't get to go read all of the messages back from you know years and years ago when we were doing this but um I think it was a discussion you know is is it only going to be from Thea's um point of view and in order to elaborate and give everybody a little bit of um a little wider view of the world and what was happening within it I just we just couldn't do it first person so yeah it had to be third person to get everybody kind of on the same page across uh you know, because things were happening, obviously, in, like, different places that you needed to be aware of at the same time, so. Exactly.
2: You know, even leading up to, like, a random soldier in this particular scene, like, to know what's happening there, we needed to have it third person so we can know what's happening in all these different locations, bring everybody in for this full, because it's, it's a giant war, like Tish said, and there were so many points of view that, we had to, we had to go broad on it.
0: Yeah, that really makes sense, because if you were going back and forth between first persons, that might get really confusing if you had four or more first person point of views. Yeah, exactly. I have yet to write a non-first person, so I, I need to stretch my goals there and stretch my skills.
2: It definitely changes things. It does. But uh, this like I said, this entire project has been such a great writing exercise. Um, I can't speak for Tish, but for me, I've I loved every minute of it because it it takes out an element of control that authors often cling to. On their own projects so this you had to learn to bend and shift and go with things and I, I loved it I thought it was it was challenging and wonderful and a great experience that I couldn't have asked for a better partner for it
1: well I concur I actually I mean I think when we were talking about it originally doing this I was like you know I I'm usually I don't know, not a joiner, so this might be <laughs> difficult, but all in all, I, and I think we both agreed, like I, I couldn't do this with anyone else, I don't think. Like we just kind of, I mean, we kind of think alike, you know, we talk fast pace, we kind of like go a hundred miles a minute. And so it was pretty easy to process um, together. And I think that that helped a lot, and yeah, we just kind of had the same train of thought on a lot of things, and it was uh, it was pure joy. I mean, even when I was like, hey, what do you think about this? And she's like, well, I was thinking maybe this, and it was like, oh, okay, yeah, cool, that works too. Like, there was never any sort of disagreement as far as, like, where to take it or anything. Um, I think a couple of times, uh, like Stacey mentioned, when we would be writing, she would take one chapter, I would take the next, hand it back to her, vice versa, and I think only maybe one or two times, and possibly within each book, did we ever actually say, hey, let's let's cut this, or hey, I'm going to take your part and expand a little bit to where we actually both Ended up, you know, with something together in one chapter. Usually, it yeah. is just a one or the other, but it did happen now and again. And it, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it only made it better. And I think one of the biggest compliments that you know a reader can give either of us about this story and these books is that it didn't seem like it was two people writing it. It actually flowed, and a lot of people, you know, couldn't tell it was two authors instead of one. So for me, that's a huge compliment.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, you would have to have very similar writing styles and very similar use of the word you use and grammar and sentence structures and all of those types of things for it to flow well.
2: Exactly. There's, I will be very honest, there's times I go back and read the books now, and there's parts of it that I'm like, well, most of it, I'm going, I can't remember who wrote which part I don't, I can't remember. I, you know, there's some moments that I remember coming up with, but it flows so well that I'm like, I'm not
1: sure who did that. So exactly. Like like I have, yeah, I have to go back and count and be like, okay, I know I did chapter blink, blink or blink, you know, like sometimes that's the only way because (laughs) it did. And I mean, I think it going back to what Stacy was saying, just being such a great, um, Exercise calling it that because you did, it it was you did have to stretch. Like, she made me a better writer. I started to do sentence structures like she did, you know what I mean? Like, it just was something that I think we both walked away, um, you know, learning and feeling like we we grew a little bit in our within our craft. So, I I absolutely,
2: yeah. I honestly, I suggest it to people like, give it a try, even if it's not something you plan to publish give it a try with another author friend just to stretch your muscles a little bit because it's it's a fantastic exercise and for us it, it ended up in some pretty darn cool books so that yes, works out did. great
1: yes it did
0: <sighs> yeah I, I have an author i i'm gonna try and rope in so um i'm working on that one well good luck Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to twist her arm. <laughs> um, so do you want to talk about your the finale?
2: Absolutely. Um, before we get into the blurb and whatnot, I will say during this, Tish, how many times when I sent my chapters back did I say, or you sent me your chapters okay you made me cry okay this chapter made me cry
1: (laughs) right yeah there were a lot more emotions you know emotions were running high in this one for sure on both ends (laughs) yeah it well it's the
2: conclusion and you expect it to be big and man
0: (laughs) that's my Uh, kind of book I I'm a huge crier and yeah so those are the kind I love
1: yeah, well, let's see. TS, TS901 Evolution Futures End. So, I mean, yeah, there is kind of a, a gravity to that title, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, the gang is together again, or so they thought. Fighting to recover Thea's memories as the leader, friend, and lover she once was proves more challenging than Gigi and the team expected. Even so, with the experiments on, on their kind seemingly halted, the Mali brethren finally have a chance to rebuild the community they once held dear no longer do they have to hide or live off scraps the new future they help to shape is within grasp one that brings them back to the basics of being before they can claim that bright tomorrow an ominous warning comes from mama baker a reoccurring vision is haunting her one of alexandria and zero and the world engulfed in flames pulled by an unknown force to be part of the darkness rising thea fights to be free of the strangers holding her and return home to the hill Will, Mally, will the Malley's team chance at a perfect future's end at the hand of a champion they once rallied behind? Find out in this epic conclusion to the TS901 Chronicles. So yeah, there's a lot to work through there.
0: <laughs> I have till yeah. bumps, I have
1: to say.
2: <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, it's epic. And the reviews that are coming in, I'm just glad that people are receiving it as we did, as we wrote it because they've, you know, I love these characters so much. I love Thea's heart and Gigi's wit and Abin's love for Thea and Lance and how noble he is. There's just so many characters in here that I love so much. And this is a big one.
1: Exactly. And, you know, even, I mean, what I guess we would what the other people would consider side characters like Eugene and his wife, Megan, or Corbin and his wife, Jules. Like to me, they're not side characters. Like they were a huge part of this conclusion. Yes,
2: They were absolutely. And Eugene is, he's been amazing from the beginning and I've he's had such a growth as a character, you know, in book one, you would almost look at him as like the funny sidekick and by the final book, he's had such growth And he's had such a journey, and you're just so happy for him and want to see things have a great outcome. And whether they do or not, I'm not going to (laughs) say.
1: Exactly. But do they? Do they, though? (laughs) Do they? It's the future's
0: end. So that's kind of ominous. That is a little ominous. How, what is the time span of all three books? Oh, good. Oh,
1: let's see. Um, <laughs> uh, let me go back really quick. Uh, <laughs> we
0: there was a, a little
1: bit of a pandemic a in the middle there, so there's a break. Pause. As, as far as as far as writing and releasing, obviously they've come out as a span of five years. It took us to complete the <laughs> series, 2017 to 2022, or it was done in 21. But um, as far as the actual storyline, I I don't. Stace, I don't remember. I don't think there's any time lapse. They go from no. one to the other because, I mean, it, they're fighting a war. It doesn't take time exactly. off.
2: So It's definitely the future. I don't think we ever put, like, a date on what the future date was, I but each really one know. of the books is, like, one right after the other, but the time it took, took us to write them was significantly longer than it's their significantly battle.
1: longer, indeed. <laughs>
0: Right, no, I was just wondering, you were talking about character development from the first book to the third book, so I was wondering if one year had passed, if two years had passed, if three years had passed in the plotline of the book.
2: It all goes pretty quick, because there's a lot of revelations that are happening really quick, because they've been living underground, um where the, the Naries have forced them into an underground community. It's an abandoned subway that they've made their home. And that's where they lived for the longest time until they finally rose up. And once they rose up is when the war started. And then, you know, as wars do, it's 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 nonstop, man. It's There's a lot of action and life and death and huge sacrifices being made every day. So, yeah.
0: And so where you start the books is where they're just starting their uprising. Is that correct? It's yes. Okay. So we, we don't see the whole picture of how they in, I mean, maybe we get time or flashbacks of how they ended up. In, you know,
2: yes, there's flashbacks and we have moments where you see how people were torn away from their families and the ramifications of that and the relationships that they left behind. And you know, the thing that you have to also think of is that not everybody in a family was affected by the serum. So you know, there's fathers being torn away from their wife and children. There's children being torn away from their parents. There's everybody being torn away because they were affected by this and how different families respond to that. You know, some that are like this child's infected, let them go as opposed to others that are heartbroken after being separated. There's just, there's so much different emotion that's in that and all these people are thrown together in one community of people that view themselves as broken and don't see the blessings that they've been given until they come together.
0: That's a really neat message. You talk a little bit about the government conspiracy part of it and the the government wanting to build this army were some people selected to get the serum.
1: Hmm.
0: (laughs) Or maybe you can't (laughs) tell me that. (laughs)
1: Well, I mean, in book one, you know, we said the super soldier creation on the mass scale, um, that unfortunate family tie with Evan becoming patient number one, uh, you know, I'll give that little spoiler away. That's because his father is in the military. So um, whether he was selected per se, maybe not be the right word, but that's a a little bit of a spoiler um, for book one that you probably have to read. But no, Evan, you know, that family tie kind of let led him to a position to where he was um, the first or one of the first to uh, undergo that procedure. Yes.
2: Okay. Interesting. Well,
0: I want to dig in a little bit to each of your books. Before this, we met I think all three of us met the same year at Utopia that may be true because that was my first Utopia I went to when I met Tish we ended up on a plane together <laughs> flying into Nashville and then I believe Stacy, you were there that year as well in 2015 although I, I was yeah yeah that's where I met all these one or these two wonderful women, along with so many other great authors. Do you guys want to give me a little background about your other books so the audience can learn that? Tish, you
1: want sure. to go first? Oh, okay, sure. Um, well, I, I mainly write a YA paranormal fantasy, I have a few adult, uh, new adult titles in there as well, but it's uh, I tend to have a younger voice than most of my uh. Characters are either you know teenage or early 20s and you know mostly witchy like I don't if anybody knows my writing that I usually anything magic anything witchy um, that's that's where I thrive and love and live Uh, it's so funny somebody asked me one time you know are you do you ever consider writing contemporary romance and I'm like man I tried I've tried before and it's like you know boy meets girl Girl falls in love, boy proposes, um, somebody gets bit, somebody turns into a <laughs> vampire, somebody like I literally cannot stop myself. So yeah, I, I I definitely know what do they say? You know, stay in your lane. I definitely know my lane. I'm a paranormal girl. <laughs>
2: That's awesome. <laughs>
1: um
2: I've I've written in pretty much every genre I've done contemporary romance i've done sci-fi because i from time to time will try to challenge myself as an author and stretch my wings a little bit but my wheelhouse that i'm most comfortable with is dark fantasy um i like the, the the books that are a little bit more morbid with snarky humor um you know think tim burton kind of thing is a little bit more my wheelhouse Uh, My series right now that I've been working on is the Death Diggers Handbook, starting with The Corpse Queen, that I summarize for people as if you think um, Beetlejuice meets the show The Good Place, that's pretty much this series. Um, I did a trilogy at the beginning and have received enough you know it's 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 done well enough that now I'm doing a spin-off series of it based on another character and that's what I'm working on right now Uh, and I'm just I'm loving it it's snarky humor it's you know gallows humor as well and there's dead people walking around and it's just fun and dark and morbid and I love (laughs) it so that's that's kind of my wheelhouse
0: What well, sounds like in this series those two melded really well. We have the a little bit of a love story between some of the characters and then a little bit of a darker plot with the government conspiracies and the
2: war going on. Yeah, we both, yes, we weave it together into a beautiful tapestry together. And yet, Little Miss, I, I weave romance in whenever the scenes would get really romantic. Tish would be like, you need to do this. They're getting too romantic for me. <laughs> okay.
0: That's funny. I am the same about writing romance scenes. Like, I thought I wrote, wrote, like, a really risque romance scene. And then my review was like, this isn't hot at all. And I was like, oh, I, I tried so hard on that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well it works out well though because to, to, to tish i'd be like you know the scientific terms the weapons what would they be using and she comes up with all of those and so we all there was always a perfect give and take in everything
1: well it's so funny i um, i i've written sci-fi dystopian before in a standalone that i did handler and it was you know when it's, people had asked me like how did you get this idea and i, I had written probably my best known series, The Witches of Blackbrook, again, magic, and I write all my own spells and, you know, like I said, that's just, that's my wheelhouse and where I live. But um, I said, you know what, it, it wasn't as hard as I thought getting into sci-fi dystopian because honestly, it, it's still magic, it's just with technical, you know, things, technical <laughs> terms and technical, you know, machinery or tools that you use, it's still a little bit of magic. So, you know, you just, you just make that little shift and it, it works out pretty well. <laughs>
0: Right, yeah, because if you have a chemical serum that has unknown side effects, that's kind of like fantasy because you can make them up and you can make up whatever side effects you want them to have, right?
1: Exactly. Absolutely. Yes, we uh, we enjoy using our hashtag. You know, join the hashtag Mutant Nation because yeah, the the serum it definitely has a wide variety of um, effects on people. <laughs> And that okay. was fun too, creating all the different
2: ways that it affected people. You know, this person bursts into flames and this person has stretchy limbs and like everybody is affected differently. It's, it's fun.
0: Yeah, it sounded like that one mother had premonitions as well.
1: Indeed, yeah, yes. Lance, um, Sergeant Lance Baker, he is in a portion of the military that has uh, communication with the Mallies, even though he is a ordinary or nary, he's one of the soldiers that Thea um, starts out communicating with, and it turns out that, yes, Mama Baker is Lance's mom, and she, um, as the blurb state, does have premonitions and can see things, so he isn't, um, I mean, while he may be ordinary, you know, he's still involved in the world in a a multitude of different layers and levels and ways. So that was really fun.
0: And do they have Nares, um, or the normal humans, um, that come to the Mally's aid, or kind of try to help them as well, kind of switch sides?
2: Uh, We're not going to have too many spoilers there, because there's a big giant spoiler there that could happen. But there are Lance is the main one in book one. Um, And then there's a few more that pepper their way through through the series. But that is a big underlining message is, you know, people helping people.
1: Right, like you, at some point, it it can't be hidden that what's being done to these people is wrong. So where does that put? humanity and society on, you know, what, what line does that draw for them and who's gonna cross that to help when they, you know, can see is this right or wrong? Like there has to be some sort of, you know, um, mass revelation when it comes to those things you would think, you, you would hope, I guess.
2: Yes, you would hope.
0: Yeah, I was talking to another author last week and he was from Portugal and he was part of a group of European authors that were asked to go to Sarajevo after the war there and write about what they saw and he said not surprisingly was that you saw the best and the worst of humanity like you saw people there helping each other in such amazing ways and coming together to help each other but you also saw the people raiding other people's homes and just stealing from other people and i so i'm imagining it to be sort of like that. But you get to explore it in a way that's probably a little more removed because it is that sci-fi dystopian. Um, at least for me, those issues seem very heavy. But when I can read them in a sci-fi dystopian world or in a fantasy world, did it helps me process it better? I don't know if you guys feel that way or not.
2: Absolutely. You know, when you can read something and see it as how this applies to our lives every day, you, you know, it, it helps you understand and comprehend matters that are happening, happening in our world all the time.
0: Yeah, I read once that um, there was a debate about kids reading fantasy and that some people were debating that kids shouldn't read fantasy because it took them out of their lives and it wasn't real, they should be reading contemporary books, but then, and of course, the person doing the podcast, or actually it was a podcast I listened to, but she, she was arguing that, wait, you get to process all these emotions and all these situations in a safe place so that you can take those skills back to where, you know, your real life. So I thought that was a good point.
2: Exactly. Um, Quinn Loftus did a keynote speech where she was talking about a study she read, uh, author Quinn Loftus, I'm throwing her out there because she's amazing, but um, it was a study that she read that said, when we are reading a a well-written book, the way our brain processes what we're reading is the same as if you're actually experiencing it yourself. Our brain can't tell the difference. So we're, we're learning and we're growing and we're experiencing right along with those characters. And it's, it's teaching us along the way. And I don't, it doesn't matter if it's fantasy or, you know, nonfiction, it's, it's, it's teaching us about who we want to be and, you know, decisions we want to make in our lives
0: that makes perfect sense of why readers are so invested in their characters
2: <laughs> exactly because
1: you feel like you're right there with them and,
2: well,
1: and
0: then best
1: books too i agree and i i too i in one of our earlier reviews i can't remember if it was for book one or book two someone had um written something that was about like you said trisha like this was you know, it's a heavy topic. I mean, you know, government messing with things in the water supply, you know, I mean, it's, we've all read and heard things and, you know, throughout our lives, whether it's, you know, Flint, Michigan, the water, you know, who knows what, but whether the idea came from that or, you know, other things, they said the heaviness of it was so well um, balanced, I guess, with the snark and the funniness and all that, it actually helped her process through things like that, that she, you know, may, maybe had been in or been a part of in her life. So that, that took me by surprise that I was like, oh, well, that, you know, I'm so glad. I'm glad that that, you know, our, uh, the levity or the humor that Stacy is, you know, known for and everything in there helped, uh, helped them enjoy that book or, or get through it a little bit of, you know, something that they had gone through just by the way that um, she had written it in. So I was really, really happy about that but don't give me credit for all the snark there was a an <laughs> eg and a table
2: scene that was all you and it's one of the funniest scenes in the entire series so i'm not taking credit for all the snark <laughs> oh funny
0: that's awesome um, yeah when i wrote my dystopian book i i got so heavy into it that after i wrote the book i had to write a contemporary romance so do you guys Have you found that in your own writing? Like if something's really heavy, the next thing you write is going to be lighter. And
2: Uh, I absolutely had to do that um, after I wrote book two in my legend saga, which is Raven. And during that, I completely um, just submerged, submerged myself in the works of Edgar Allan Poe because I wanted he was a character in the book and I wanted to capture his voice throughout the entire thing. So I lived and breathed Poe the entire time I was writing this book. And I was in such a dark place mentally when I came out of that. I mean, we're talking, I was one step away from wearing all black and like a veil all the time. Like I went (laughs) dark. And when I came out of that, I was like, look, I can't go into book three yet. I've got to lighten up a little bit. So I actually wrote, I have two contemporary romances that I, that I've written and the first one adapted for film. Was I call it my palette cleanser. That was my palette cleanser I wrote after Raven because I needed to lighten up. I got too dark even for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was going to say, sorry I'm pretty no- sure. Sorry, I was, was going to say, I'm pretty sure you already own veils. So that's not a far stretch.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I do. Some are red, some are black, some are, have flowers, some do not. <laughs> there you go.
0: I was going to say, anybody that knows Stacy knows that she has all the colors of clothes.
2: (laughs) I have a costume closet as all grown adults should. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What about you Tish? Have you ever written anything so dark you had to lighten up afterwards?
1: Excuse me. Yeah, sorry. Um, you know, not as dark as Stacy. I don't think my, you know, I have some demons and I have some sacrifice and all that, but I don't think it was I don't think it um affects me quite so mentally. Um, just kidding. <laughs> um you know what my, my palette cleansers I would say aren't necessarily to to lighten up from the dark but just to get out of that mindset so you're right you're so involved you're so immersed that it, you know that can bleed into what you're writing next so for me especially I mean if it's a series I try to write straight through but if it's a standalone like I even before I jump into my next book whether it be a standalone or series I a lot of my um, downtime, I write short stories. I know that sounds odd, like it doesn't. I'm still writing; it's you're still doing the work. But it, you know, whether it's light, whether it's this or that, or just something, something a little different or out of the series I'm working on or something, I'll just throw something little in between. Like that. That's just how I usually process that, jumping from one to the next.
2: That's a good idea too. Yeah,
0: that is very cool. And do you usually publish those or use them as reader magnets or?
1: Um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, one of the, uh, there a few anthologies that I've been a part of. So taking those on, uh, I would do so at purposely at a certain time. And those would, that's what would end up being in the anthology I would use as just my in-between books or my downtime that I was trying to plan out for. So, yeah.
0: Fine. Yeah, I love anthologies because you get to meet so many different authors. Yes,
1: indeed. I think Stacy, the last one that uh, we were in together, we just we did the Monster Ball three. We both yep. have stories in that one. Sure do. And I liked
2: it so much that I'm theming once upon a book after it. So. There you go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, for um, listeners who may not know, Stacy hosts Once Upon a Book. That is a book con. Is it still in Michigan or has it moved to Florida?
2: It's still in Michigan. There's a lot of book conferences in Florida and there just aren't as many in Michigan. Um, So I've kept it up there. It's got a good following there. And, you know, it gives me reason to go home and see my family, which doesn't suck. So for right now, it's still up there. I can't say that I won't eventually do a Florida branch. I was looking into it But then I don't know if you guys heard this like pandemic went around and (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, that put the plans on hold for that. So I'm not sure if I'll get back to a Florida one, but we definitely have two more years in Michigan and we'll see after there what's going to happen. But this year's theme is the monster ball. And I had someone ask me, you know, if we were keeping the same theme, I had to tell them I've had, what is it? Three years now of a pandemic that I've hunted through all of the after halloween sales for decorations the stuff that i have for this event is ridiculous so yes we're still doing the monsters ball because i didn't buy a nine foot inflatable sandworm for nothing people <laughs> I need to <laughs> When you have to call a hotel and be like, by the way, does your venue accommodate a nine foot inflatable sandworm?
0: <laughs> Sounds super fun.
2: Yeah, it is. It's it's I love it every year. It's getting together with the literary community and everyone coming together. It's it's a great experience and I'm I'm glad to host it.
1: It's one of my faves.
2: Oh, thank you.
0: I've heard that from so many people, and I haven't gotten there yet. So I definitely need to put that on my list.
2: You need to. You need to.
0: I have to get my. I'll, I'll even bring the house. sandworm
2: back. Whatever the theme is the following year, I'll bring the sandworm back, and we'll just decorate it. It's fine.
0: <laughs> I was yeah. There are so many things that could do a sandworm. I mean, science fiction theme, <laughs> Star Wars. Yeah, I
2: think you can exactly. Do it. We've never gal- ventured to a galaxy far, far away. We could
1: do that. And I'm, I'm shocked by that, actually. Knowing you as well as I do, I'm literally shocked.
2: Ah, oh, I should. Oh my gosh, I should do that. My husband's not listening right <laughs> now, but he's in the other room. And we should totally surprise him and show like, you know, next year coming and like scroll the worlds in a galaxy far, far away and reveal oh, the galaxy. He might squeal like like a little girl. He might squeal. (laughs) 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 Too funny.
0: Okay, I'm going to try to stump you guys now. Are you ready? Uh Oh, Oh, boy. Yes. This is my favorite question to ask my authors. Tish, I'll have you go first. What do you want your readers to take away or experience when they're reading your book?
1: Oh, goodness. That is a good one. Um, You know, I think I've always said from my first book, uh, any review that I get that says, wow, you know, I didn't see that coming, like that for me is a win. Like if I can, you know, it's not my goal to, you know, put cheesy twists in or this and that, but I want the plot to be well enough crafted that while you may think you know what's happening, mm, maybe you don't know quite just yet. So for me, that personally, that's a win. I really like that. And as usual, I think anybody that um, recognizes, I have a lot of readers reach out and ask about the magic in my books. And, you know, is that something that I, you know, where, where did I learn that? Do I write my own spells? Anybody that can recognize that that is, um, you know, a truly a passion or a part of who I am as a person, um, that's always that's always gratifying. So yeah, just those things, I guess.
0: <laughs> awesome, thank you. Stacey?
1: Um, I,
2: I think the thing that I want my characters to take away, and I think it's most prevalent in in the TS-901 Chronicles in my Death Diggers Handbook where everyone is a corpse, um, that these people are not perfect. These are not you know the, the picture perfect cover models that we see all the time. These are people who are flawed, who consider themselves broken, who are struggling every day and still find a way to laugh and to come together and to, you know, be strong in the face of adversity. And, you know, that's, that's what I want my readers to experience, that nobody is perfect, that we ex- all experience these highs and lows. We're on this adventure together. And you know what? You got to laugh. You got to laugh or you're going to cry. So let's, let's laugh and let's enjoy life and, you know, work together and lift each other up. And that's really something that I hope that my readers get out of all of my books.
0: I love that. Yes, we can all use the last, the last two years.
2: Oh, so much so.
0: Let's make sure that all the listeners know where they can find you guys. Stacy, you want to give us your website?
2: Uh, my website is www.staceyroarke.com. You can find me on Facebook you know, facebook.com slash Stacy Rourke author. I'm on Instagram at Rourke writes. I'm on TikTok. I can't remember what my TikTok ID is, but I'm there somewhere. <laughs> Let's be honest. Nobody goes there looking for anything. It tells us what we want to see, but that's where you can find me. <laughs>
1: Too funny. Yeah, I'm the same. Uh is my website. And on most platforms, I'm just at Tishthour. Uh yeah, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, all, all the things.
2: <laughs> uh, Twitter and I broke up. We haven't been together for a while. It kicked me out and I haven't been able to get back into my account. So if anybody does go to at Rourke Rights, whatever's being posted there isn't me. And Twitter won't do anything about it.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. No.
2: Yep. Every time I try to contact them, they just boot me off t- Twitter again. So. That's, That's crazy.
0: Up. <laughs> well, it's good that we have a lot of places we can find you guys. And I'm assuming as well as Amazon, Goodreads, Bookbubs, all those fun book places as well. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely.
0: And your new release is TF901 Evolution futures end
2: yes so excited it launches tomorrow I can't wait
0: yes and we will have the podcast probably go up in your release day so happy release day to both of you oh thank you thank you that's awesome thank you so much you're welcome and thank you guys so much for being here
2: thank you for having us I'll see you
0: soon all right
2: Bye.
0: bye bye I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finding the Magic podcast. I'm your host, author and podcaster, Tricia Copeland, and I love getting behind the scenes. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe and stop in each week to discover new authors and books. Thanks for listening, and until next time, keep finding the magic.